0: Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices: Conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. This week, I am talking to Derek People. Now, Derek is a former head teacher at Parkhouse School, founder of Leading People, his consultancy, head of education at SafetyNet, and director of operations at Aspire to Be. We talk about his career in headship, what leading a school really meant to him and we also talk a little bit about the fact that Parkhouse had specialisms in sport but it also uh, had a regional computing hub and so we get some of his reflections on technology and how it is being used in schools and how it could be used in schools. I hope you enjoy listening to Derek as much as I did because he has a wealth of experience and ideas to share and as ever I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics the views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key for in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education check out thekeysupport.com hello Today, I am talking to Derek People. Now, Derek was head teacher at Parkhouse School, and he now does a variety of things. He is founder at Leading People um his education consultancy for leaders uh he is also head of education at safe to net and director of operations at aspire to be so obviously um being a head teacher um shows that you're you're ready to take on lots of other other challenges when you retire there Derek would you would you agree
1: <laughs> oh well thank you for that 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 introduction caroline yes i mean uh, I guess people may have questioned my educational vision from time to time. I like to say that uh, I saw this uh, September coming, uh, but yes, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it, it's a, a rich variety of roles at the moment. I love every single one as I love the the 20 years um, of headship, most latterly at Parkhouse school in Newbury and 34 years in, in teaching overall, but it's been wonderful uh, recently to, to think about these new consultancy roles and, and substantively working in two. One is with, as you mentioned, um, safe to net cybersecurity company, thinking about people's, young people's online safety, which is clearly absolutely pertinent at the moment. And secondly, and I guess from a related point of view, the, the work with um, aspire to be an ed tech company. So it, it's really about thinking, I guess, about how young people can work creatively and well but also safely so there's a there's a sort of synergy there in terms of um where I am at the moment but loving every moment of it
0: well I feel like you know being a head teacher is maybe such a big job that you need (laughs) that you need several several things to keep you as busy as that did maybe um and could you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe your kind of entry into the the teaching profession and and your career there
1: absolutely and um I actually didn't come straight into teaching after I left university um I worked relatively briefly as a trainee uh, chartered accountant which um some people might also say I guess for headship in terms of the the financial responsibilities and accountabilities was a was a good preparation mm. although actually I'd say um I just found that experience where you went from company to company um, undertaking audits and being part of the team, it was a really fascinating opportunity to observe organisations organically what worked, where you could observe teams working effectively together, where they clearly were aligned and you got a sense of vision and common purpose. So actually I found that year before I uh, decided I was going to move into teacher training, probably in the long run one of the most important professional experiences of my life Um, I then I then started uh, teaching I'm a history graduate by background with a a lifelong love of uh, of sport and possibly we'll pick up on later the fact that my my headships were actually in two two specialist sports colleges and what that means around culture Um, but uh, uh, primarily a teacher of history a little bit of PE in in the early stages started teaching In Gillett School in in Henley, Um, lovely, lovely school to start at. Then actually moved into um, a sixth form college, um, which gave again a very interesting contrast, having taught initially in an 11th, 16th school, um, Queen Mary's College in Basingstoke. And then I had the huge opportunity to become head of history at Oxted School in Surrey, school of goodness me, uh, just over 2,000 students. So, very, very big school, very, very big department and had a really wonderful experience there, Um, amazing inspiration that came from Roger Coles, the long-serving head teacher there. I learned so much in that period and had a very dynamic um, career there that moved me from a head of department role into assistant headship and then deputy headship i was uh, curriculum deputy there and i guess timetabling a school of over two two uh, thousand children is a, a pretty good incentive then to move on <laughs> to headship given some of the challenges that were there um and uh, th- then my first headship um at woodcote high school in uh, london borough of croydon um brilliant opportunity lovely wonderful school where um, we actually developed our specialist sports college status, and then finally at Parkhouse School, where I was for 17 years. I knew from my own childhood in Reading, uh, uh, locally in Newbury. I actually remember going there as a young person myself and um, being involved in athletics events, cross country there, um, uh, where you know I, I just had the you know the most um, amazing time being part of an incredible community. Um, so that takes us really through to September of um, of 2020, and then you know, obviously the whatever it is, the eight month on working in these variety of consultancy roles, and hopefully, you know, making that difference a little bit differently in, 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 in a greater variety of ways.
0: Well, oh, yeah, thank you for that. That was that was really um, interesting uh, to hear about your your experiences there. And while I was um, researching you a little bit for this uh, podcast, I came across a a uh, TS profile from you from quite a while ago, about about twenty years <laughs> ago, and it has the most fantastic title, "Power to the People," punning <laughs> on your surname there, which um, was hilarious. Um, re- and it was really emphasising that you came into headship relatively young, um, uh, particularly secondary headship, and um, sort of thinking about your your own experiences. Uh, how would you say that the role of the head teacher has changed in the last? In the
1: last wee while, yes. Don't 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 research that article. <laughs> it was uh, no, it was. I mean, it was at, at the time. No, it was. Uh, I think I think it was really interesting. Power to the people. That was the old Citizen Smith slogan as well, wasn't it? <laughs> For those of you um, that will be listening that remember that. Wonder. I think it was Robert Lindsay from the the mid nineteen seventies. Wolfie, the urban revolutionary. I think he was in Clapham. I loved that show as a as a child myself. So um, the, the fact that they chose that as a headline was wonderful. Um, you know, and and I think just to go back on that point that i made about the you know the accountancy piece there i think the the interesting thing was that probably at that time um with the sort of the business experience briefly that i'd had uh, you know thinking about things like strategic planning i'm not I'm not suggesting for any one moment that schools weren't strategic in their planning but perhaps slightly more of the language of leadership that might have come from another sector i think that was possibly you know one of the factors in a in, a, in an early trajectory but um you know it, I guess thinking through I I'd always been excited and motivated about the idea of working within teams and part of a team and firstly when you move into a school in the first instance I, I had a brilliant first head of department head of history uh Pam Surrett at um at uh, at Gillett School in Henley, had taught me so so much at that particular time, and you think, oh, I'd really love to lead my own history department, my own team. I'm so passionate about you know wanting to make those lessons as engaging and exciting as they possibly can be, and ensuring all young people are motivated. And then of course, you know, you get there, and he, as as I said, my my head of department role at Oxford was in a very big department, most amazing team, and you think, oh, yeah, you know. The, the, this is terrific. But what about taking the next step and trying to then make that that wider difference and how you think, well, actually shaping the the wider vision and 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 developing the the values and direction of a whole school community, you know, really is very, very special indeed. So I suppose it was part of that sort of experience, a sort of a natural progression really of just moving from team to team. And those teams um those those teams getting bigger and larger was what was what inspired me in the first instance and I think then a sort of a reference to change over time really, and how ha- how things have developed and I guess there are there are continuities, but there are also very, very significant changes what what I think I found most satisfying and rewarding, right from taking on that headship in whatever it was May of 2000 and you know the, the the last um the last few days in that most you know uh strange and surreal of environments um with you know with lockdown um in you know in, in 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 August of 2020 was being at the heart of a community and 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 building that community and and taking you know so much from it that that's been for me a continuity all the way through and why I guess I've always felt particularly passionate about um, a sort of a one school focus. But then so many changes around that. I mean, I'm just thinking back to those first days. I don't recall, you know, receiving email. I think email had probably only just become the principal sort of one of the means of communication. Everything came through the post and, you know, you had to be in over the, you know, over the holidays, you probably would, you know, you still, you know, you still tend to be, but, you know, you had to go and check the post. Um, you know, and the rise of social media, both in terms of, you know, the impact on young people and and, and their behaviours and some of the impact in school, but also what you might do as a head. And, you know, was it legitimate? Is it legitimate that I could have been spending time during the school day on Facebook? Because actually what I was doing was marketing and promoting the school and, and, and looking to make connections that, you know, clearly were of absolute benefit to that, that community. Um, or, you know, were you on the gates in the t- sort of the traditional way? And I always think there's a there's kind of interesting generational uh, piece there because we all think back to our own school days and what we at least perceived the leadership of the school to do at that particular Time and there's that sort of generational lag, I guess, in terms of you know how things change. But I I guess the other continuities, whether it's accessibility online or in real time, I think one of the key things was you know always being um, available to have that conversation, whether it's with the young person, whether it's with the parent, whether it's with the member of staff, because ultimately, you know, and I think it's particularly relevant in the context in which we're talking now, um, schools are about communities of humans coming together in real time to talk to each other, to build relationships. I mean, I think we've learned an awful lot about how we can perhaps learn even more efficiently but and effectively. But it is about, you know, that, that those human relationships, ultimately the people and being available for those people, um, learning with them, learning for them and learning from them
0: yeah and um, i i guess um interesting that you that you sort of um make the connection there that you had um some some relevant skills from your previous professional uh experience and uh, i guess uh, you know headship has you know has has evolved in terms of the kind of complexity um of of, of situations that that some people are dealing with obviously you know in in trust structures some of those roles are becoming more specialized more people from outside of education coming in to support with some of the business and and finance kind of aspects of of school life what are your thoughts about that
1: i think you make a really interesting point there and i think it's 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 a critical point um promotion in schools understandably tends to be based upon the ability to teach um and the ability to engage with with young people effectively on a day-to-day basis Um, and although many of those skills obviously developed in the classroom are of course transferable that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be an effective HR manager or you're going to be um, a business strategist Um, and and I think that's a really interesting point going back to you know know, that that question about when I started one of my first appointments actually was the appointment of a business manager um, to take a view on not necessarily where we would look at the traditional management of, of school finance, but how could we be more entrepreneurial in the way in which we would look? I mean, clearly, you know, not not for the sake of uh, commerce in, in, in its own right, but how could we augment and, and think more creatively about the funds that we could bring into the school for for the benefits of, of learning, and and I think you know as we have moved into um, both firstly the the single academy trust and then the multi academy trust environment, I guess some of this also goes back even further. I think to probably even before I was in a senior leadership role with local management schools, where where schools were give, being given more autonomy from the local authority around um, uh, budgetary decisions. Um, but I think it's an important recognition as as, as the head or the, the leader that actually, you know, the complexity of these skills is that you need to look and build a team around you that actually have uh, more advanced and more developed uh, skills than, than you will have. I guess your role remains um, identifying where both those strengths and areas for development are, but that's very much part of the... The team building process so i think there's been a huge um benefit in looking more broadly for the skill set that shapes um school leadership in this dynamic context that we talked about earlier but i guess critically what that then comes back to is the is the shared vision and the sh- shared mission of how those skills contribute to school improvement and ultimately the learning and welfare of, of young People, um, you know, it's not a marketization in the sense of you know that those young people are a commodity or a product in the same way that perhaps um, you know we might we might we might have considered in a commercial context. But nonetheless, looking creatively at, at ways in which we can build the skills of our teams um, appropriately, I think has been a very significant and very beneficial way forward. And I guess just lastly, to extend that, one of the great benefits. I think I saw from the the, the move um, into um, academy status um, at Park House was working with a most amazingly talented governing body where you perhaps took an an approach around the skill set of a governing body and and where you would look for those areas of expertise and those areas actually of challenge um, as well as support that would really make a difference and, and, and really make you reflect upon upon your leadership. So where you've got colleagues that bring a wealth of experience, whether it's from a legal background, whether it's from a, a financial management background, and of course, more and more recently from, um, you know, communications technology background, that h- adds huge value to y- your leadership on the ground
0: yeah and i th- i think um you know something that was was striking to me as uh, as you were talking there is is, is is thinking about that um that challenge for a school leader of 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 managing um at, at a high level um people who are skilled in their particular functions and they are they are functions that that person isn't necessarily intimate with themselves whereas i think you know the sort of traditional view is you're an experienced teacher and you know how to manage other teachers and then you're the kind of head teacher um sort of having having those people who sit under you who you ultimately feel accountable for them doing their jobs well but it's less familiar territory for you
1: absolutely and i mean that's where i think i go back to that 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 initial experience that I referenced I mean I think you know hopefully you've got you know a degree of emotional intelligence but also you know as a sort of professional nouse, if you like of, of just getting that sense of where um, teams were functional as opposed to dysfunctional and uh, you know and what it was about relationships and, and and what it was around the ethos and the the culture that you saw both in 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 in, in microcosm in departments and departmental teams but how that fitted together in terms of you know the big the bigger picture and i guess you know looking at at schools and certainly multi-academy you know trusts um at the moment some of them are going to be the biggest employers in 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 an area or or a region and you know hundreds of employees and you know thousands in some cases tens of thousands of, of of young people dependent upon you know the effectiveness of the way in which that organization works and pulls together so yes a complex business
0: and um you know reference you spent kind of a very a very interesting twenty twenty 20 years um you know as a school leader um and a lot a lot changed in that time how did you personally make the decision to 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 leave headship and you know pursue pursue some other projects well it was a, it was
1: a difficult it was it was it was a very difficult one and and I think you know your your your, your personal values and your professional values have have to align and um it's, it, it, it remains an absolute vocation and I guess for me it was, it, it, it was circumstantial to some extent that um, partly because of some of the outreach work that I was undertaking, particularly in relation to um, how we could develop learning around educational technology um so that the, the technology isn't isn't just an overlay on learning you know if you're thinking about young people's absolutely key skills core skills in learning it's not you know it, it, it's it's not just about traditional literacy and numeracy it's their digital literacy and competence and, and some of the relationships that I'd begun to make there in terms of ensuring that Parkhouse was at the the forefront of that type of learning meant i began conversations that made me think oh it'd be really interesting if perhaps there was a subsequent opportunity to you know to consider that that sort of area that sort of work that might have a reach across um, a variety of, of of other educational environments and i i probably bring in the caveat here that Whilst I'm not a Luddite, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a technologist. I hopefully I understand the impact that that new technologies can have on learning. But again, it's a great example of deferring to the expertise of, of those that, that, that know and understand that. So the beginnings of those sorts of, of conversations, I guess, probably is a counterpoint to what we were talking about there around sort of the trust, multi academy trust arrangements. Um, I think my leadership at Park House had very much evolved because it was over a significant period of time, and I felt very much rooted in that community. I absolutely I still love that community, um, and how you know you began, you know, you you'd know and you'd recognize different family members. You actually, you're almost getting to, you know you're getting to the point where actually some parents, um, you know, <laughs> had 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 been there as as students as well, and the the, the sort of the the intimacy of 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 that relationship as it built over time and almost organically in a, in a single school was very special to me and um i didn't want to in a sense progress that actually in one of those multi academy trust sorts of settings and i i mean i guess you know we've seen changes in local authorities too where you know maybe a progression might have been to the local a local family of schools in a, in, a, in, a, in a director role or something like that. Um, but I guess you know, the, the opportunities were just around the, the, that sort of really creative element that you still learn as a yearn as an educator around, um, you know, very specifically the differences that you can make around teaching learning. And in the case of my role was Safe to Net, how while young people are learning well and creatively, that they're also learning safely. So it was that sort of opportunity for um, these these new avenues to open, but still very much positioned within the um, within the sector. And also, I think being being critically being values driven. Um, and I know that might sound a little bit trite, but um, you know that that that's been so in, so important. And how you can then you know still contribute perhaps more widely to you know the development of ethos and culture around teaching and learning and safety.
0: And you mentioned there that um, you know you don't have a sort of specific technical background to yourself, but that you did, particularly during your time at, at Parkhouse, House, really em- embrace IT and, and champion kind of computer science as a as a discipline academically. Um, can you can tell us a bit about about how that came about?
1: I think that 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 that's another, um, and thank you for, for 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 identifying that. I think it's another example of. Just absolutely brilliant teamwork where you rely on incredibly talented members of your team. And I mean, I would track this back to a, an, an individual in 2004. I appointed uh, Peter Marshman, Pete Marshman, as my um, head of computer science, um, an absolutely visionary practitioner and leader who I think, you know, was. And I will say it was, you know, was ahead of his time in terms of under, understanding, you know, the significance of of, of digital literacy across the curriculum, not, not just in terms of the delivery of computer science and probably it was called IT then, which he was asked and appointed to deliver. But I mean, he very quickly was looking to build relationships with sector leading partners um you know whether that was IBM whether it was Google I'll never forget some of the visits um to you know to Google's um head office where where I learned so you know you just looked at the learning environment think my goodness that's so stimulating why haven't I thought about that why you know why do we have to be structured in the way in which we are And and I think it was from the way in which um you know Pete looked at um, what we were doing within the curriculum but ensuring that young people were developing dynamic and highly relevant skills in terms of you know the, the, their next steps their employability so we had a you know a, a, an amazing scheme that you know it's still, still operational with with, with IBM um, where there was the opportunity and this these, this was for girls actually um, where sixth formers had the opportunity for um a a placement working working with IBM and and then incredible opportunities beyond that if um some of those young women you know potentially didn't want to necessarily immediately go down a traditional university pathway the opportunity for an extended apprenticeship there um and um we've got um an amazing example one young woman Grace um who went down that route way and is now actually coming in and advising the computing hub. And I'll talk about that in a moment that's based at Parkhouse and actually giving professional advice back into the hub about, about skill development. So there was, I guess, therefore sort of a, a, a if you like, a, a logical transition and development from what was an informal sort of regional hub where, Pete was doing outreach work with primary schools, with other secondary schools, bringing in um, industry partners to work with and enrich the quality of learning um, in, in this particular area. And then, of course, um, there was the, the announcement of the regional computing hub schools where, um, you know, there's, there's a significant additional sum of funding, you know, o- over 100k for um, a a local hub, a regional school to build um, effectively a professional development network to, you know, to to bring together the uh, the providers, uh, those colleagues who will deliver programs through bursaries. um, And those can be very specific around, (coughs) excuse me, teaching the the computer science curriculum that it can be about more broadly retraining teachers in other curriculum areas if they're thinking about Um, the application of their skills in in other ways so we successfully applied to become one of this first phase of hub schools so that's been that was a logical progression and now Pete has got formal role I mean clearly I'm obviously I'm not there now the last year of my headship coincided with how how we rolled that out but working with a range of partners to really you know enhance provision right across the region so that, that that that's kind of how we got there
0: gosh yeah tremendous amount of 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 work and as you say there the real need you know somebody who can and really lead that dynamically um and um how you as a a head um balance balance that out yeah i mean it was
1: you know i i think i mean i i think as a you know a head you, you know you you you, you listen that's one of the key things you always do and where you identify the opportunity and the and and, and the talent you have and somebody's coming to you with both this skill and this vision to move something forward you go with it Mm.
0: and and you know as you've, you've explained there you kind of um worked with industry um to 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 develop some of some of that and and via the sort of academic um route as as well and I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts about about ed tech as as a whole as we kind of move away from a slightly kind of hastily stitched together tapestry of activity to you know sustain to sustain us through the remote learning period. Um, what your thoughts are about a sort of post pandemic era and and the involvement that government should should have in kind of setting in a tech strategy
1: yeah i mean I think y- y- you um, pull out some absolutely key themes there I mean I think that the, the, the teaching profession as a whole responded remarkably and and the way in which um, they mobilized themselves and the incredible job of the whole school community as in parents and young people together working collectively on this new you know in this new paradigm for for learning that kind of you know happened almost literally overnight and I think what we then saw didn't we in this sort of adjustment phase um you know w- w- was a movement towards um, a more structured and more strategic approach where schools began to think, you know, what does a scheme of work look like in, in this blended um, environment? And, you know, I, I can't see a scenario when we go back. And I, mean, I, I I think it was really interesting. I mean, a very interesting book from um, Eric Brynjolfsson and Andrew McPhee. I don't know if people have come across it, but The Second Machine Age. It was written in, in 2014, and I think it was reflections on... How how technology was you know challenging all sectors as the second um, machine age because obviously they were referencing the first as the era of the industrial revolution and you know how that transformed but their point is I think that if you think about the structure of schooling um, it hadn't really changed since the mid 19th century you know sections in hours you know in in classrooms subject silos. Um, And still this focus on, you know, in many respects, the the traditional skills, um, you know, that that, that were seen to constitute success. But, you know, I think I think they interestingly pose the question, they say switch the skills, switch the schools and that they go on to say we need digital models of learning and teaching, not just a technology overlay on old models of teaching and learning. I think we're seeing a fundamental shift here. and and it's not a choice anymore you're not just enhancing learning through the use of technology it's it it, it's at the core and I mean I guess I always struggled with this at at one level at school about you know mobile devices and we know some of the challenges that they bring and that you know but but at the same time if I can draw down the information that I need at a touch of a button you know why isn't that, you know, integrated in terms of the way in which, in terms of the way in which we learn? So I think, you know, the, the challenge now, well, and the opportunity now, is that, um, you know, we, we're addressing things like, you know, the digital divide, and you know, it's a, it's, it's a key issue around, around hardware. But if, if, if government can get hold of that and fund appropriately, how then are we developing? Um, The skills of teachers, the skills of new teachers into the profession. Um, You know, I think about the last stages of my interview processes for for new staff for last September, we'd always do it. The teacher would come into school, he or she would teach the lesson. You know, we we were getting them to you know to deliver remote lessons, remote. You know, and and maybe there are common skills there, but maybe there are other skills as well. I mean, you know, you know, I think in the early stages, just how do I share my screen? You know, let alone thinking, you know, more creatively about how you how you chunk learning in the ways in which you would within a um, within a classroom framework. So I think there's a piece of work there to invest in uh, professional development. There's a key piece of work to be done then alongside that around young people's safety together with us if we're opening up um you you know this new world of learning we have to ensure that you know that that's that's done safely and i you know i think whatever can be done to bring sector specialists together with uh uh, schools to really articulate clearly you know what these industry you know in, in, in the business world in in the world beyond school what you know what are the key skills that that we need and I think you know the pandemic's been fascinating in in, in many respects in terms of learning I know we've had to be physically separate um, but if you think about the traditional exam structure you know you sit people four feet away from one another in silence with no access to technology Um, how are they going to work successfully you know once we're able to return to work they're going to work in teams talking to each other with access to um online materials and 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 the devices that enable them to work effectively and efficiently um and that that may be another direction that I go off on at some point in terms of the examination structure but I think there's a real opportunity here that we need to seize
0: yeah actually i was um hearing somebody at uh, a webinar the other day and they were saying like it, it, has anyone ever experienced in their working life someone sort of saying sit in a corner on your own and write down everything you know about something for three hours <laughs> it, 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 it,
1: until your hand hurts yeah. i mean very int- until and very interesting. i mean i'm one of the other things i i was i was chief examiner history examiner in the 90s through and you know you, you actually began to notice i mean I, i'm sure you know in, in my generation you know we got calluses on our fingers from the you know the where we had to write. but you actually think about that you know this the, the, the 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 physical stamina of writing for three hours when we spend our time on keyboards young people spend their time Mm. you know online I think you know there's there's a massive opportunity to think again around this and you 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 think about what happened last summer I mean I won't get you know get into the you know the the, the politics of, of that per se but you know you you think about the way in which you continuously assess young people and you look at the skills that they've got it's not to say that there's not rigor in that there's not objectivity in you know who may be perform better in this context than somebody else it's not it's it's not that but i i think we just need to look at the, the connect between the skills that we want the young people to show um and 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 how we assess those and again you know you you know you think about the sorts of interview context that you potentially have on some of on some of these things um i think there's a real moment that we can you know we can think creatively here and i hope that we do think creatively um about it because i think it will make such a significant difference but your point is absolutely apposite. you know when do you sit on your own um with a memory test and you know and write things down in the world of work very rarely in my experience
0: and um, considering the other sort of aspect where um, Park House was um, specialising was the fact that, as we said earlier, you were a specialist uh, sports college. And what what was it that you think particularly made your work in this area successful?
1: Well, I think I possibly said early on um, uh, uh, I was a history teacher, not an absolute passion throughout my life um around around sport and, and everything that sport brings and the, the wider learning that comes through it and for me i think the you know the the the, the key point about the specialist status um was the, the the whole values and ethos and culture that you can take positively from from sport and and, and thinking about you know that the, the piece around around team but also resilience Learning to you know, to win and lose with with, with equanimity, one would hope. Um, you know the mutual respect that you hope shown. All of those are sort of a, a, a key set of values that you then use to to shape your school environment and ethos. It's not about winning more Cups and more trophies, lovely though that is. Um, You know, it's about what is the wider learning from the experience of of the world of sport, the inspiration that it can bring, um, the very positive role models. Um, And that's very much what we we endeavour to do at Park House. And um, I was very fortunate to do some work with the the London 2012 Get Set Education programme which was, I think, one of the most brilliant and innovative education programmes that I've experienced because it was values themed. It took the Olympic and the Paralympic values, excellence, um, determination, courage, respect, friendship, equality, determination. Um, and you know, if somebody was to say to me, "Okay, you know, you're setting up a new school from scratch. What, you know, what, what, what's your values? What's the, what, what themes do you want to develop in the young people?" Those wouldn't be a million miles away from from what you'd look for. So they, they they provide that kind of that kind of code. And I think if we bring that up to the present now, and of course there are the challenges. With young people's physical, um, you know, physical activity and some of the challenges to that, but I think you know that the key here is you know what it does around um, you know mental uh, well-being, resilience, emotional well-being, and resilience as well. And I think there are you know there are, there are some key join ups there really. Um, so you know, for me, leading in a context where there was alignment with with a personal passion too was you know was wonderfully satisfying
0: i think it's interesting um something that i've experienced in the school where i'm a governor when we when we did a piece around our our values and um you know explicitly putting more of this into the curriculum was that um especially for some of the younger children getting a practical sense of what some of these words mean Was really hard until we started calling out examples of it that they could understand what pride looked like, for example. And and I think that's really nice what you're sort of talking about there. In is that um, with with children having the the experience of that of that sort of sporting activity, win or lose, they've got those real world examples of those values.
1: Exactly. So I mean, you captured that absolutely brilliantly. it it is that context to, to to. to give meaning to those words, to those, th- those values, those predispositions, um, you know, th- those behaviors. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, that for me was you know the 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 joy of um that context.
0: And and you've touched on briefly there, obviously, concerns about young people's um physical fitness after this um period of 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 lockdown. Um and if you were back in the hot seat and still a school leader. How would you kind of um, make space for for PE and sport in your curriculum um, in the face of the what, you know, this all consuming sort of catch up pressure um, that we're all talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, the most important thing, uh, you know, a happy, stable young people who have a sense of of belonging. And I'm going to say this as a former history teacher. It's not going to worry me too much whether they miss a bit on the Tudors um what's more significant is their emotional and, and, and social well-being in this context and again if we think about those contexts for physical activity PE and sport that we've just described that for me is the perfect and most appropriate vehicle You know, to you know, to bring these young people. Of course, there are other contexts. Whether they're doing that in, you know, coming together in drama or, or music doesn't mean to say they've got to be, you know, high performing actors or 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 musicians in the same way that they haven't got to be, you know, county standard athletes. But it's about that that sense of togetherness, and you know, very critically, um, you know, I'd ensured a minimum of, you know, continuing a a minimum of two hours a week, but also I think it's about thinking. Again, a little bit more broadly about about PE and thinking about well-being and thinking about well-being faculties um, and what else comes into that. Okay, there's a physical dimension to that. But where are we thinking about young people's emotional um, and, and social well-being as well? And perhaps, you know, developing something that we did at Park House, which was, you know, include a well-being session in, in the week. Um, of course, it's more than one session a week. It runs through the culture of the school. Um, but thinking more broadly about a well-being faculty.
0: Well, it's interesting, I suppose, and something that I've often thought about um, with regard to sport and whether or not children enjoy it at school or or, or not at various different points of their lives, is, is something about that um, finding the right activity for them that they enjoy, and sometimes that's not available given how sport is structured at the school or you're a football school or whatever, but, um and, and and I think, you know, it's it's interesting to think about the remote learning experience and what we've seen about um young people being able to um tailor or personalise some of what they're doing by repeating videos multiple times or whatever it might be, and equally sort of thinking about how that maps on to finding finding the activities physically that they that that, that 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 they feel more successful or enjoy more and how and how some of that could come back into school as well
1: absolutely I mean two two immediate observations on that one one is that at Park House we had something called our PE change team which was a cross-section of young people right across the school from those that might describe themselves as sporty to those that didn't um, but equally, you know, what, what what you know was it actually the opportunity to do ultimate frisbee, um, or just to go for you know a, more of a walk at, at, at breaks and lunchtime? And a, and we you know we did, we did some pieces around having QR codes around the school, so you built up more house points just from walking more and 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 recording it, just building physical activity in in that way. But you know, giving choice, giving those options to young people. And a fascinating piece. Being privileged to be doing some work with Paula Radcliffe recently, um, her, her program, which was was um, I guess uh, put on hold by the pandemic, which the concept of families on track, which was sort of an intergenerational piece, really just families enjoying exercise together, running in a sort of a festival atmosphere in a non-competitive way, mum, dad, nana, granddad, son, daughter. And we just pulled something together over the the, the half-term break, which we called the 2.15 challenge, which Paul called two hours, 15 minute challenge. And we just asked families to record them exercising together for a total of two hours, 15 minutes, however creatively they wanted to. And I guess it's that equivalent, you know, the sort of physical literacy in the same way that, you know, families learn together, they read together, you know, why not exercise together? I think that's one of the things that, you know, perhaps during the pandemic, there's been the opportunity to do and the wider learning that comes out of that. And just, you know, you know, creating that, that, that kind of social context for it
0: yeah exactly anyone anyone bearing the scars of joe wicks, joe wick's exactly workouts so. will attest to that fascinating stuff and um was there was there anything else that you that you wanted to to share with our listeners uh in closing
1: well i just you know th- thank you for this wonderful opportunity one it's just been a you know a joy to reflect on um the experiences and um You know, the the learning that you continue to do, you never stop learning and, and how much you take from from others as part of that process. So just just a joy to have the opportunity to do it. And thanks. Thanks very much indeed, Carolyn.
0: Well, thank you. Um, Thank you, Derek. I mean, we covered an awful, an awful lot of ground and a rich variety of of topics there. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please, Tell us what you think of the podcast, rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.